Okay, everybody, welcome back to Sports Hacks. I'm your host, Damian Bowman. I'm with my good friend, Mr. Josh Flagner. Josh, how are you? Oh, man, I'm, I'm good. All the complaining I just did before we started recording doesn't count anymore. I'm doing great. <laughs> we are the day after um, the big midterm elections, and we are a couple days before the, the Browns play their next game, and I'm sure the Cavs will lose to somebody within the next 48 hours, and the Indians have successfully pissed off their entire fan base. So welcome back to Cleveland, I guess, right? I mean, uh, I, I mean are we going to talk about all of those things? No. I mean, maybe. I don't know. We'll see where we get. But there's there's a lot there. I mean, there's a lot, obviously, to talk about, and um, I don't think any of those topics are necessarily completely off limits. So uh, we're going to do a little different um, – format for this um josh and i are going to kind of do like q a he's going to ask me a question i'll answer i'll ask him you know and it kind of goes from there whatever we talk about is whatever we talk about ready josh yeah i'm ready okay let's uh let's go so here's here's the first the first question i have for you and this is truly in the vein of the ask me anythings uh so i will pretend like you're famous and <laughs> people will really care about the answer here uh you and i have known each other for um, X number of years, five now, maybe. Sure, probably longer, but yeah, okay. Oh, maybe it is longer. I don't. Everything, everything kind of uh, melds together at this point for me. But um, we initially started working on more than a fan together. You you came on to more than a fan. I, that wasn't how we met, but you um, early on in our friendship came to more than a fan and helped do millions of things. Did tons of stuff everything from really complicated back-end things that anyone who perused the site or knew us probably don't know about but if if anything looked good it was damien's uh damien's doing and if anything was broken it was probably me screwing something up in the hosting um and then you know we we wrote together we did things on and off we podcasted a whole lot we uh, even for a moment had six or seven podcasts and did live shows and the whole thing like we did tons of shit and it was all very fun uh and for me it was a labor of love i loved it i really wanted to uh i really wanted to be bad at sports writing and or sports media stuff and i would <laughs> and i mean and that worked out for me for a while i got the ability i had the ability to be bad at that stuff in online and uh in like audio media so for me, it's easy. I can explain why I wanted to do it. Why did you want to do it? Because I don't ever remember, like, I knew I always wanted to have, that was always my goal. I don't ever remember you saying, hey, I, I want to do this kind of stuff. Uh, you just kind of did it. It's a good question. I wasn't expecting this one, obviously. Um, well, I've always liked radio, um, and I think that, you know, kind of shows itself in what we do now uh, with the podcast and what we did back then. Um, and I really like college football. Um, and I don't like it as much now as I did back then just because of everything that's going on in my life with um, work and officiating and all the other nonsense that's going on. And I'd be lying if I said the impact of concussions didn't have a part to do with that. You know, my, yeah. um, you know, less than love, you know, 100% love. So, I mean, I, as much as I enjoy college football and football in general, I don't enjoy it as much as I used to. Um, but as far as the writing and everything, I, I'm actually not a great writer, which is why I don't write that much anymore. Um, but I just got roped into, you know, I think the first one was 
you know, top 10 college football fan bases or the royalty of college football teams or whatever that was. And it just kind of, yeah. you know, went from there. And then we were building site after site. And obviously I love motorsports. I mean, I go to the Indy 500 every year. I go to Mid-Ohio every year. And it just kind of went from there. And then here we are probably, honestly, six or seven years later. And, you know, we've kind of flipped the script. Now I'm kind of running it and you're kind of writing when you can because you have a family and I'm just kind of floating through air and, here we are, you know, but, uh, you know, if you had asked me six or seven years ago, would I be doing this now? I would say absolutely not. And if you probably asked me six or seven years ago, what I've ever started, I probably would have said absolutely not. Well, well, right. Me too. I mean, I never knew, I, I never in my wildest dreams thought that, um, you know, more than my immediate family and like seven people I went to high school with would know my name at any point during my late twenties, to early thirties. So, you know, any, any little bit of fun that I got to have, because of that was fantastic. I just, I guess I always wondered why you volunteered to put in so much work because I mean, for anyone listening, if you remember any of what we did with more than a fan and MTAF and the dot TV and the podcasts and the, you know, the college football roundtable and the motorsports site and all the build out and all the frankly bullshit that we did. That's a lot of work. I mean, Holy crap. Damien was, he put in, I mean, for every minute that I volunteered my time to do all that stuff, Damien probably volunteered too. Um, I mean, he was maybe even more um, just instrumental in getting that all done. And I, I guess I never, I never thought to just sit down and like ask you why you did all that stuff. It, it always was yeah. a mystery. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I guess I never thought about it either. I mean, my friends will tell you, and you know this, like once I get into something, it's like, I'm sort of like a perfectionist, sure. so I just have to get it done, mm-hmm. you know, and if, and as you know, and other people that we know, know, like sometimes that means doing stuff on holidays and stuff, you know, at, at, at three o'clock in the morning or 12 o'clock in the afternoon or whenever, you know, it just kind of, it just kind of fits in whenever, but you know, it's crazy. I mean, to go back to the other point that you made, I mean, not that we are famous cause we're not, God. but I mean, of all the followers I have or on, you know, uh, Twitter um, and all the people that we have in common, I would say probably 80% of them who didn't write for more than a fan or sports hacks or college football Roundtable or, um, uh, campus press box or whatever, I mean, are all from more than a fan, you know, and the people that wrote for us and the people that were readers and the people that, you know, this and that, I mean, it's, it's crazy how, you know, certain things just kind of manifest itself in so many different ways. And, you know, you think about all the people that have written for you and I over the past five or six or seven or eight or nine years, you know, even if you go back to, you know, Lisa and Deb and all those people who you started more than a fan with, I mean, think about all the people that wrote, you know, eight I, years ago or whatever that was. I, you know, I tell you, it is, and it's weird and it is, it's such a, a tenuous connection to success for me. And, and I fully admit that it's a, a tenuous connection to success or, you know, to, to local fame or stardom or whatever. But the, the fact that um, very early on I got to work with so many people who um, have, have like real media jobs in in the industry locally in Cleveland, whether it's sports media or not. I mean, that is even if uh, even if because you know you you fall out of touch with people and you don't talk to your friends as much and you kind of get older and everybody does their own thing and even if I never um, sit down and have dinner with or talk to you know any of those uh, men and women that I that we worked with in the beginning of more than a fan it will always be 
probably the thing I'm most grateful for. Like, I'm so humbled by the fact that, like, you and I worked with Hayden so yeah, much. Yeah, Hayden Grove. Absolutely. And, and now, I mean, and whatever, I understand that Hayden isn't exactly, you know, he's not at Bristol Reading ESPN. Um, so, I mean, we can argue about where the pinnacle of success is for that. But just for the fact that, like, he's really doing what he's doing now. And, you know, Stephanie is doing, Stephanie Metzger is doing what she's doing now. And, you know, these, they're Ryan just. Ryan Isley. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, just, Ryan wrote for ESPN this fall. Yeah. I, those guys, just the, the work that everybody did, I guess that's the, that's the, the thing that I'm the most proud of, I guess, is like, I got to know, I got to know everyone and got to work with them and do all that stuff. Yeah, and I'm sure we're probably missing a few people, but like oh, I just yeah. mentioned, I mean, Ryan Isley, who um, worked at Cleveland.com as a, as a freelance now and uh, worked at ESPN as a, um, not as a replacement, but kind of as a, uh, I don't know, substitute for uh, their NFL guy who yeah. was out for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Hayden was with the Associated Press. I mean, he wasn't full time, but the AP is the AP and now he works for uh cleveland.com or the plane dealer whatever they call themselves now and <laughs> yeah i don't know uh, which one it is either no no nobody has a clue really <laughs> i don't even know if they know anymore uh they don't even have a house anymore i think the city bought it and sold it or whatever happened with that so who knows where they're writing from probably the middle of 480 um and then stephanie metzger who you know has been with who's with uh wkyc channel three now i believe right and yes and was with Lorraine Morning Journal or one of their papers, Great House or whatever that is. So, I mean, she's kind of been a few places. And I'm sure, like I said, we're missing a few people who are, you know, well, who have you, gone from here to other places. Yeah. And, then, and that's the thing. Like even there, there, there's too many people. And, and, you know, we we had we've had hundreds of people right under that. One of the more than a fan mastheads. I, I mean, literally hundreds. Yeah. Um. And, and there's so many people who, even if they, uh, you didn't run out and get a job with, you know, Cleveland.com or one of the one of the locals with sports or anything, they're still doing the stuff that they love. And maybe they moved to a different, um, a different blog or a different website, or maybe they're doing stuff on their own, or maybe you know whatever it is. You know, even just. Uh, the fact that you you write for six months and you're making deadlines and you're improving and you're getting at it and you're doing all that stuff and then you know you get to you get to use the things that you learned in a successful communications job or something you know I mean I, I, not that I'm some sort of a, a public relations or communications mentor or anything far far from it but you know to to just use that experience and be a success in your life no matter what it is I just like I said, it's my favorite thing. You know, and it, it's funny that we talk about Hayden. I mean, he's the one that we probably have the best relationship with right now. And obviously, I mean, Jeff Rich is still around. And um, Warren, oh, yeah. who wrote for me at um, Campus Press Box, works for Rivals now. He's at, he's a Kentucky student and is full-time with them. And uh, Mike Wilson, but um, who writes for Pacific Takes and yeah. um, an NBA blog, I believe. But, you know, the one story that I always remember about Hayden is, you know, he got a chance to, through Gary Snyder, our common friend, got to cover, you know, the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And he wrote that, like, 50,000-word epic on what it was like to write the NCAA tournament. That was, you know, and it was just was the so funniest fun. thing ever. Yeah. Right. You know, and he's like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. And now if you ask him, he'd probably, like, roll his eyes and give you that smile he gives. He goes, man, that's crazy. That was probably only – five years ago if that long right you know well, and the cool thing about that is like we look at him now and we look at um look at the job that he has and and maybe in in within the five years since that happened the um, 
I mean, I guess it's really possible sort of the color of coverage has changed a little bit and, and the way that some of the larger mainstream places uh, allow a little bit more bloggy type stuff or, you know, personality in, in some of their coverage. But, you know, he got to go and experience being part of the media at something and read about like, hey, this is the first time I've ever done this and here's all the crazy shit that happened. I don't I don't know if you could do that if if the first time you've ever done that was, you know, working for an actual media outlet. You know what I right. mean? Well, it, it, and obviously I don't know what the original vision of more than a fan was, but because I wasn't there. But isn't that sort of kind of what the spirit of more than a fan is like you go Absolutely. and you write about a thing and you put on a story and then like, oh, hey, by the way, this is what it was like to actually cover it to hear about you know like we always hear about at the ncaa tournament you have to use the ncaa cups mm -hmm. you know but like nobody knows that because that's everybody would go what do you mean you have to use ncaa cups like but that's the kind of stuff that was in that that thing that he wrote that you're like holy crap like i never knew this stuff like it doesn't make any sense because nobody ever talks about that you know now they do but five years ago like you said they didn't talk about that kind of stuff yeah no certainly and that's that is i guess I don't really know what the spirit of more than a fan was when I started it. Like I knew that I wanted to have fun and have an outlet and I wanted to learn and teach myself how to write and communicate about sports. I had a real hunger to want to do that. Um, and it, it all came from Lisa Pitts, uh, by the way, she started a, an Indians blog a million years ago called 90 feet and running. And she, and her, I and Stephanie wrote for it. And I think that's also where, we met Deb, but anyway, I mean, that's so long ago. I, I don't even remember all that kind of stuff, but I like, I wanted to have fun. And as we got bigger and did more things, you know, you start to want to make a little money and you start to want to make a living and you start to want to like, Hey, I want to do these things in sports. Um, and it didn't work out for whatever reason, but I, I feel like, um, it would be easy to look at that and say, Hey, I didn't make a ton of money or, you know, I still have to, you know, work a regular job. I don't get to go write about sports for a living, but I, I still feel like... Or you spend a ton of money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We shouldn't ignore that Oh, part. we did spend a ton of money. Yes, you absolutely <laughs> spent a ton of money. Right. I mean, I think that... The, and not to cut you off here, I guess I am, but I think that that's the part that people don't understand is the day-to-day, -day, the month-to-month -month expenses. I mean, you you know, you and I both know this. You went from, you know, I don't know if it was GoDaddy hosting or whatever, but we'll call it GoDaddy, um, to some expensive plan that I talked you into to having, you know, multi-site to breaking that all up, to putting it back together <laughs> yeah, to yeah. all the other yeah. stuff. You know, we go from spending, you know, $5 a month to $25 a month to $100 a month down to $25 a month. And then I think about like what I spend on all the sports hack stuff and all the different yeah. stuff that I put into yeah. it. And then I think that that's the part that people don't understand. And not that this is, should be a conversation about like the athletic or about paying for what you read, but I think that that's what people don't understand is that this stuff costs money, you know, and even sure. if you're not paying the people who write, somebody has got to pay to put the, you know, keep the lights on, as you always say. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, I think the whole thing would have been a little bit differently if the revenue model were different. But like I said, I mean, it would be easy to write it off and call it a failure because, you know, seven years later, I'm, uh, I moved on with my career and more than a fan is an archived site on sports hacks. And every now and again, you and I talk on Skype for a podcast. It'd be really easy right. to chalk that up and just say, man, you, you know, you wasted a lot. I just, I just don't feel like I wasted a lot. I met, uh, so many people. I have so many new friends. I have, have so many cool experiences. 
I get so many cool media related emails. <laughs> I still like my login right. for a lot of stuff still works. So that's kind of fun. Right. So, <laughs> right. so I mean, I don't know. I think, uh, I think it was all worth it. So I'm going to um, ask you a question um, related to something we were talking about hating and I'm going to spin it to politics without getting political, <laughs> but sure. It's a good day uh, for that. This is, yeah. Do you think it would be the worst thing in the world if a writer at, say, Fox News or the New York Times or CNN said, I'm a Democrat, and this is the facts, and this is, this is what I think about it, and we actually knew where people stood. The re- reporters, I mean, the individual reporters. If they, if, if they kind of had, like, in the tech industry, they call it disclosure, mm-hmm. right? You disclose all the stocks you own and, mm-hmm. you know, your relationships with that person and who you cover, why you cover. It, do you think it would be the worst thing in the world if we did that in politics? No, uh, I don't. Um there, there are a few lines I think that we need to make sure we don't cross if we do something like that, though. I, the first line is, um, and and hey, look, speaking of disclosure, right? I am, uh, I was for a, a very long time in my life, um, throughout my teenage years, early twenties, I was very firmly, um, uh, you know, uh, I'm responsible for myself. It, it's the GOP all the way. Let's uh, let's not tax the rich people and let's keep businesses going. And and as I got older, I I went from conservative to liberal. So now at this point in my life, um, you know my my heart is fully bleeding. I'm a Democrat. I'm a liberal. I don't like all, all that stuff. I'm I'm very much right. all that stuff. Um, but I'll say, and and I, I say I say that ahead of picking on someone from Fox News, not. But I just want everybody to know, like I'm not trying to hide it or couch it. I think I think Fox News is super shitty. Um, I think that there's I think that there's still potential for Fox News to be a decent network, but but right now in our current climate, I don't I, I don't think it's going to meet that potential. But I will say. You know, whatever you do, you do. Sinclair Media owns a ton of locals. Yeah, you know they they do a ton of coverage that's super conservative. Um, you know, there's a, the liberal media elite does a lot of um, thumbing their nose at Trump in in print and in, in media and everything. So, like, I get it. Is uh, I I I think both sidesism is for losers. But at this point in the media, like, there's media personalities that are liberal and conservative that both suck. I think what you can't do is um, allow anything you do or say if you're in the media to be campaigning. Uh, Sean Hannity openly campaigned for Trump with the Republicans, yeah, not good. which is a, which is a line you cannot cross. I think so. Before before I let you yeah. go on here, I I think that, and not you, but I'm saying in general, I think that there is, and this is a media mm-hmm. problem and it's a viewer problem and it's a I guess a everybody problem is I think that on Fox News and CNN and MSNBC there they have blurred the lines each of them and actually I guess grade them um, because what's the difference between someone who reports the news and someone who's an opinion person mm-hmm. you know and I think that that's not again I'm with you on Chan, Sean Hannity like he's either a reporter and he reports mm-hmm. or he's an opinion guy and I think if you're an opinion guy you can be an opinion guy and be on television and spew your opinion. But I don't think he can or Shepard Smith, who I actually think is very good, um, or um, Anderson Cooper or anybody else, you know, whatever. I think that 
You can either be one <laughs> or the other. Now, that said, right, it's very difficult to be one or the other because at some point, I mean, we're all humans and we all vote for who we vote for. And that's why I asked, I mean, is it okay? Like, can you have an opinion if you say, look, I'm a Republican and I voted for Donald Trump. I'm not speaking about me. I mean, I am a Republican, but I didn't vote for Trump. Um, and I think Trump is right about this, this, and this. And I think he's wrong about this, that, and that. And by the way, this is the news for today and report the facts. As I, I just, I have a hard time thinking that, um, if you're, if you're going to do that as a talking head on television, I, I'm not sure that that's possible. I think that's possible in print. Um, and I think it's probably because in media, like in, in television, and you have your roundtables and you have your guests and you have like everything is so reactionary. I think I think it becomes nearly impossible for a person to be in a conversation and not react instinctually instead of intellectually. But don't they do that on Sunday morning football shows? <laughs> I mean, isn't there like the James Brown who's just kind of like hanging out and he just kind of gives you the stuff and then he turns it over to his guys who argue about it for five minutes? I mean, I I guess. But on a Sunday morning football show, I think that works. I, I'm not sure. Like, I mean, that's what Anderson Cooper tries to do. Um, but I don't I don't think he I can guess, do it. Like, I, I, I guess my, Chuck, my... Chuck Todd can do it on Meet the Press. I just think, but I, I guess my point is, is like, why are we still in the 1950s journalism where we feel like these guys have to hide what they are? Oh, no. Yeah, right? I agree. If you're a Republican, just say you're a Republican. And if you're a Democrat, say you're a Democrat. And say like this and, and make them say this is who I voted for and disclosure and all that. And then that way, like when they say something like, you know, I, I believe Donald Trump when he says this is the largest inauguration ever, we can go, well, we know he's full of shit. He's a Republican and we can see the actual pictures like we know. That. But the, I guess the pro but, I guess the problem is and the reason why the reason why I'm struggling to explain it and, and maybe maybe the reason I'm struggling to explain it is because I I don't really believe the answer I gave you, I guess. I mean, I can't I, like it. <laughs> Shall it we felt, start? No, over? I mean, it, it feels right. Like it feels like that's the thing that I should say. And that's the thing that I believe. But. But the reason why I think there need to be clearer lines is you tell me that, okay, Trump says that was the biggest inauguration ever, and we know that's bullshit because we're looking at the pictures, except for right. there are networks and people who will not allow their audience to look at the pictures and, and it works as hard as they can to make them believe that right. that was the biggest inauguration ever. Correct. So right. – so like that's where the disconnect is for me. I I don't mind that there are super conservative people or podcasts or news shows or whatever. Like I listen to Pod Save America. That is as yeah they do a good is, job. They yeah, good but job. I mean that like that's as partisan liberal as anything mm -hmm. anything that exists right now. But the reason that I don't mind, like the reason that I give my time to it, is because there's no um, there's no facade of bipartisanship there. You know what I mean? Like there, there's no, there, they don't have a sign on the door that says, Hey, yeah, fair and yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're not pod save America, right. fair and balanced. They're pod save America. We're a bunch of people who used to work for Obama. We're super, super, super duper Democrat. And we're going to joke about right. it. Like it's, it's, we're honest about it. You, you know what I mean? And I think right. that that yep. buys, specifically that group of guys or, or that group of people because because there are some very good women in in that you know crooked media network 
Um, but I think that that buys them credibility that people from Fox News don't have. And it isn't. Well, and I would say, I mean, hang on. I would say that there are people at CNN and um, who else? Might NBC. I say? NBC who aren't necessarily fair. Sure. No, I mean, no, no, no. I mean, that, I'm that, not that's just. That's fair. That, that's fair. But, yeah. but I guess. But obviously Fox News is a big one who will just repeat whatever Donald right. Trump says. And it's not. It's not true. So I will give you that, but I just no, want to that, say that. No, that, that's totally there are people fair, on the and I agree that, that there are people that's I, – I agree about that. I guess the reason that I'm using Fox News is because I'm – like I'm talking about crooked media, which is like super left, and Fox – I actually think that – I actually think that um, Wolf Blitzer had an orgasm last night when he announced uh, that the Democrats took the House. Right, right. Okay, well – I don't know I did if you not, saw that, but, but I don't, pretty funny. I'm not going to watch now because that's what I'll be thinking of. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's great. Anyway, <laughs> but but I like I think that that buys the crooked media people credibility, and and not not like among just the general, not like with anybody on the right, um, but with people in the middle and with people on the left and with people who were really trying to be unbiased, and it, it isn't because what the liberals say is true it's because here's this group of liberals who are not afraid to tell you that hey like the stuff we're saying is shaded by our you know our political beliefs these are the policies we want and it's because we believe these things because we're liberals you know like they're able to have these honest conversations and pick apart their own weaknesses and things that they don't like and do like and all that because they're honest about it they're not just they're not just you know, saying they're fair and balanced and then just being way on one side. It just, it's just such a dishonest look. So, you know, you've been in and out of management a lot and you and I have had lots and lots and lots of online conversations and, and conversations in Slack or offline conversations I meant. And, um, yep. you know, we talk a lot about workforces and dealing with people and, you know, we've argued over whether or not you should fire people around the holidays. And I mean, we've, Always. We, we have Do gone back and forth a, a, a million times about a million things on a professional level. I feel like um, I, I, I feel like that part of our relationship has um, helped me in some ways. Right. Like I've been able to take experiences and conversations that I've had with you and uh, use your opinions and your judgments to, to kind of help me through some, you know, some tough situations in my professional life. Um, it seems like, and this may not be true, but as an outside observer mm -hmm. who knows you maybe 75% well, I mean, I don't know, right? Okay. We've never, uh, we've never, sure. uh, you know, slept over or anything, but, um, <laughs> how, I how do you, Kelly. well, I mean, if you want to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> How do you get to where you you personally can fire people so easily? Because it's hard to me, and maybe it's it because is. maybe it's because, like I said, I'm you know my heart's bleeding over here. But well, I'll say this: it's never easy. Um, and I will say for those of you who don't know me, that I've been officiating sports for about 18 years, and I'm 36 years old. And being black and white and living in a world where it is what it is and seeing things for what they are has made um, being the actual George Clooney up in the air guy a lot easier than it should be because um, it allows me to compartmentalize things when it comes to work and life, actually. Um, so I would say it's not easy. It 
it's not fun. It's not great when you walk into a room and this person you're looking at is going to walk out um, either crying or wanting to kill you or both. Um, and it's not fun when you fire somebody that you've never met and you have to pick up the phone to have security come escort them out because you think they're going to break 50 things on their way out the door. So it's not easy and it's not fun. Um, and I know some people probably think that I'm bragging about or whatever, like it's the best thing in the world. It's not. I've been fired. I've been there. It sucks. It's the worst day of your life, um, especially the older you get, because the older you get, the harder it is to find a job. And I know that. Um, and I've been on the firing and I've been on the laying off and I've been on all the sides of it. So I know what it is. And the person who picks the people who doesn't get a job anymore and the person who picks who gets to stay and the person who writes somebody up and the person who doesn't write people up, like all levels of management I've been at. I mean, obviously not in the C-suite, but you know, a couple of levels down from that, you know, so when the boss says, the CEO says you need to get rid of 10,000 people and your boss says pick 500 from a division of 5,000 and you have to figure that out in a week you know, when you're going through resumes and you're going through salaries and you're going through all that, it's not fun, you know? So I would say to anybody, like, if that's a job that you want, find something else to do with your life because it's not fun, <laughs> you know? And <laughs> it really isn't. I mean, I, <laughs> but I will say this, like, at the end of the day, like, I will say it's probably made me a stronger person. Like, I don't really get affected by things that right. I hear from people, you know? And again, this probably comes more from officiating basketball at a higher level than it does from firing people every day. I mean, I've been called every name in the book, yelling and screaming, basketball coaches, parents, racist this, racist that, in this, MF that, all this other stuff. And it's just in one ear and out the other. So I'm sure it's a combination of all of that that has made me, I don't know, as quote unquote strong as I am now. But um, I don't know if it's easy. You know, some. I mean, yes, it does become easier. The more you do anything, sure. the easier it becomes. You can walk in, you can see who you're looking at, you can tell how they're going to react. You can tell if you need HR in there. You need, you know, if you need to have HR do it versus you. You know, I mean, you you get a feel for these things. So yes, it does become easier. But to say like to walk in to somebody who's been with your company for 25 years and say you don't have a job anymore, not because you're old or not because you're not good at it, because you're too expensive. You know, it's not easy. And you know, I just I took a buyout last year from my company and I'm back. I just started back on Monday as a contractor. So. And it's interesting because I tell people, like, if I hadn't taken that buyout, I would have gotten laid off three months ago. So I guess sometimes when you're on the other side, you can kind of see where the writing is. So I don't know if it's easy or fun or whatever, but like I said, I mean, if anybody says, do you want to be a manager and do you want to have the <clears throat> ability, ability or responsibility to um, terminate people, I would say no, because it's not fun. Nobody wants to be the boss. Everybody hates the boss. Everybody. So I don't know if that no, answers no, your good question. Enough. I don't mind being the boss, but go on. What's your question? What's your next one? Because I am running a little short on time. Can the Dolan save the Indians? <laughs> oh, oh for, okay. So first of all, what do you mean by save? Like, uh, are, are the Indians ever going to get foreclosed on? No, I don't I think they're good. <laughs> no, I, I think they're fine. Um, I think they're fine there. Yeah. Um, look, all, all this stuff that Buster only uh, has been tweeting, I'll be the, the first to hop on board with the fact that I don't I don't think that a lot of the, the lot of the payroll stuff and the salary stuff and the possible trade stuff and the shopping Kluber and Carrasco to the Yankees stuff like I don't think a lot of that stuff is a coincidence. Um, I, I'm I'm not painting him into uh, into uh, being a lackey for you know the churn off or the Dolans or anything, and I'm I'm certainly not trying to say anyone in the Indians organization is. Um, you know, out there trying to do mind control crap on Indians fans. But I think at some point you need to get the message out 
uh, that things yep. are going to be different coming up soon. Um, I think it's it's very unfortunate timing that you know there's a possibility that Corey Kluber uh, is going to be uh, pitching for the Yankees at the all in the All Star game. You know, under the guitar logo at Progressive Field. Um, but it's probably what has to happen. There, there are two, two very distinct sides to this argument. One side thinks, looks at the Indians' revenue streams and everything, and um, thinks that the Indians have tons of money and they're sitting on piles of cash, and they they should and could be spending more. Um, and the other side thinks that you know the the Indians shouldn't. Uh, spend more because fans aren't coming and uh, you know the attendance sucks and all these things and yeah yeah everybody said if the indians won the the crowds will come and the indians won and we you know we stayed home because it's cold in april um and may in right. cleveland and then it's cold at the end of the season in cleveland and you know you get a good you get a good six weeks and you get a it's packed for six weeks and then everybody goes back home and i mean it, it is what it is i don't i'm not mad at fans i'm not mad at ownership i i guess where i fall on the should the indians spend more is i don't know i don't know um i don't think it's fair to justify uh, for for fans to justify what the Indians spend based on revenue, I don't think it's fair for fans to justify what the Indians spend based on attendance. There's too many. Uh, there's too much going on. In Unknowns. The, there's yeah. There's too much stuff going on in the books for us to know what the Indians are spending relative to their profits or whatever. That's the first part of the equation, um, and that's actually. Uh, when Buster only tweeted his thing about attendance, I was like, I, I tried to tweet back at him out of the blue and say, hey, you know, I, I just wish there were more. We knew more about, you know, where the Indians are in relation to other teams and profit and revenue streams and operating costs and all that garbage. And he actually responded to me, um, which, you know, happens once every 300 times you tweet to someone famous. Um and he said that he's talked to executives about opening up the books. Um, and there are a few executives who would. Um, but I imagine the smaller market teams would be in favor of it because they probably get a lot of this backlash more often than we think. Right, but they can't because um, – Oh, I'm sure the, the league won't let them or whatever the, the powers well, the, would be. The league but, won't let them, but it's not even that. He said the, like the other teams have all the same – like. All the teams get all the numbers for all the teams. So if somebody did leak, everyone would immediately know who did it. Right. So there's there's really no way to do that. So, but I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, um, I I wouldn't put myself in a position to try to make a, an opinion on whether to justify trading guys or spending more or spending less or whatever it is, unless I really could look at their P and Ls. Um, and. And then here's the like here's the part where I kind of drop myself out of this argument, other than the fact that I will diligently um, fight with someone who wants to go one way or the other just by saying, hey, we don't know enough to make this decision. But the the one thing that I will say is, um, even if I did know their P&Ls, I, I don't know, like who am I to decide for the Dolans? Um, you know how how much money. profit is enough profit right. i don't 
I don't know how much money they have. I don't know anything about Paul Dolan's monthly expenses. I don't know anything. I mean, other than the fact that we know that they got that, like the investor and I, his name escapes me now, but the investor who came on and, you know, gave him a bunch of cash. And when they sold STO and their TV deal, like, I mean, there's some stuff we know, I guess, but I mean, I, I don't know what that means to Paul Dolan and, you know, people, people have this perception of, Oh, Hey, they're rich. They got a lot of money. You know, what's, what's a couple million dollars to that guy? Like it's still a couple million dollars. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what people think about super rich people. Like, yeah, it would, it would be great to be a, it would be better to be a super rich people person than to, you know, be poor. I sure would love to be rich enough to own a team, but you still have to make decisions based on a million factors in your family finances that, you know, I'm not going to know even if I did look at a P and L statement. Real quick, because I know you have to go. I, I will always say this. Like, I think the difference, the primary difference between, and I've said this to you and Bob and a couple other people, I think the primary difference between fans and owners is that owners have money and they don't have a lot of money because they're bad business people. And they buy teams to make money first mm-hmm. and win second. Yeah. And fans want to win first yeah. and they don't care about the money. And I know that sucks for some people to hear and it's probably not accurate a hundred percent of the time but it's probably accurate more times than it is not that's why jimmy buffett or not jimmy buffett uh <laughs> jimmy buffett's actually a millionaire so i guess that's fine too um <laughs> warren buffett is a billionaire because right. he worries about profit and loss and what he's going to get out of it more than if he really likes that company or not yeah yeah exactly and i i, I don't know I and just... that's just the two that's just the two different sides of of this argument right i think that that's it's it's the fans who say spend the money spend the money spend the money we pay you well no you don't actually tv pays for more of the salaries and whatever than the than the tickets word and the and the merchandise does at this point yeah and again, it's not necessarily fair to either side. I'm I'm with you, but I think that people conveniently ignore, you know, the risk that ownership takes when they buy teams and when they put out contracts for this or when they do this. Like, who cares? They say, who cares if you spend seven million dollars? It's better than spending twenty million. Right. Well, seven is still seven. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's and if you're not getting any return on it, then like, it's correct. Like, right? What do, what do people think? Like, if, if someone, if some, if there's some rich guy and he owns a whole bunch of stuff and he's worth five hundred million dollars, like. He doesn't have five hundred million dollars in cash in like right. his it's savings paper. account. Correct. You know, like, right? <laughs> right. I mean, and, and, and the thing is, like, people go, "Oh, well, it's just a couple million dollars." I'm like, "Well, wh- do you think the Indians are? I mean, I'm sure the Indians aren't paying for it anymore, but they still feel in the effects of like that Nick Swisher deal that didn't work out that they sent to Atlanta and all that cash. Like, yeah. that still pays dividends or takes dividends away years after the fact." You know, you you, you kind of get risk averse when you have those deals. Okay, we'll bring this big name guy in, and it doesn't work out. Oh yeah, I mean, cash, you know? look, cash flow. That, that's another thing that I I find um, few people who really have the conversation to understand is cash flow is so much different than revenue. Yes. Like, like <laughs> well, I mean, I don't. Know. And, and it's weird because, and I and I know this is bad, but like. Most people don't have two hundred dollars in their checking account, and that's a cash flow problem. That's not a profit and revenue problem right. or profit and loss thing. That's you're spending more than you should, or you're not putting the money where it should be. Right. You know, and and if you extrapolate that or or multiply that times millions or hundreds of million dollars to a baseball team or a football team or a basketball team, sure, Larry Dolan could make a hundred million dollars in a year. I got it, but like, what did he put out that year? Did right. he put out eighty that year? And and you're also you know, assuming you, everyone is paying their bills on time because if you don't have that two hundred dollars, if you only have two hundred dollars in your checking account, like you might be a really successful business, but you can't. You, but your collections department sucks or something. You're still going to go under. Right, 
Right. All right. I know you got to go. I hear you getting out of your car. So um, I appreciate it. Uh, we will do this again. Um, you can find Josh on Twitter at Josh Flagner and me on uh, Twitter at Damian Bowman. Yeah. And, and, will... and follow go me because I deleted my old account and I, I don't have many followers left. And it's weird. It feels weird. Twitter's so different with few followers. Welcome back to reality. <laughs> I can't pretend like people care about me anymore. Yeah. So you should just delete all your tweets and and rename your account like I did. You've been much better off. Uh, it was a it was a clean break. It's a clean break. I needed to get my ass kicked. <laughs> Say goodbye, Josh. All right, bye. All right, I'm gonna let you go. Thank you. All right, no problem, man. Talk to you. Bye.